0: Hi everybody, this is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM 7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Buckle up, folks, because today's episode is loaded with valuable information. We are blessed to have Dr. Stacy Sims on the show. Stacy Sims is a senior research scientist at the University of Ocado. She's an applied researcher, innovator, and entrepreneur in human performance, specifically sex differences in training, nutrition, and in health. Stacy has published over 70 peer-reviewed papers, several books, and is a regular, featured speaker at professional and academic conferences. She also has an amazing TED Talk I've linked in the show notes called Women Are Not Small Men, a Paradigm Shift in the science of nutrition. Her books are fantastic. My wife, who's a doctor of physical therapy, was gifted several books by Stacy, and they are on her bedside table. They are that good. Stacy has been very generous and offered the Blueprint listeners 50% off her micro learning courses. These are short courses about three hours long on subjects like menstrual cycle tracking, supplements like creatine, collagen, adaptogens. Look, I'm not making a dime off of this. I'm just pumped she's doing this for our audience. So go check it out. This is only available through March 1st. And there's a special code in the show notes that you need to use to get this discount. Today, we are discussing why women are more resilient under stress than men, how to use the menstrual cycle to your advantage in regards to exercise, when to focus on things like strength training and high intensity exercise during the menstrual cycle, and why strength training is critical the Perimenopausal years. This is a phenomenal show. So grab your pen and paper. It's gonna be awesome. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Stacy, it's a pleasure to have you on the blueprint. I'm very excited to have you on because you're an expert in a lot of things and specifically something that you just gotten a lot of publicity about and you've done some great research and you've really opened my eyes as I've prepped for this podcast is that, you know, women aren't small men. And from a training perspective, I think there needs to be a shift, as you've said before. And so just as kind of a lean into this a little bit, the question I really want to talk about right now is training strategies for women during the menstrual cycle. But would you do me a favor and would you give us a little bit of a you know, a little bit of a physiological run through on the menstrual cycle to kind of preface our conversation.
1: Oh, sure. Thanks for having me for one, because I've been looking forward to this conversation. Well, not just this topic, but (laughs) chatting with you. So it goes beyond just the menstrual cycle. So I'm going to give like that brief physiological aspect. There are sex differences from birth that affect things like muscle mitochondria. So the proteins in the powerhouses of the cell that's fueling. We look at the total amount of blood volume, how your body carries oxygen, iron concentration. And then we have biomechanical differences as well. So uh, what we call our Q angle. So the angle from the hip to the knee, Our shoulder girdles are wider. Our center of gravity is lower. So all of these things can also play into training adaptations. Then when we get to the specificity of the menstrual cycle, if we look from a textbook standpoint, we know that day one is the first day of bleeding. And this is when the hormones have dropped. So then you go through what we call the follicular phase. And this is when estrogen, progesterone are low. Then around day 12, there's a surge in estrogen and a surge in luteinizing hormone, which precedes ovulation. Then we have the ovulatory phase that's 24 to 36 hours. After ovulation, progesterone starts to come up, so does estrogen. So when progesterone and estrogen come up, this is what we call the luteal phase, the high hormone phase. And the whole thing lasts about 28 days give or take, because some women have shorter cycles and some women have longer cycles. And it's actually the low hormone phase that shifts because the body is really resilient to stress and is trying to get as robust as possible to then have a really good availability for pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So day one, first day bleeding, day 28-ish is around the last day of the menstrual cycle. And then day one again is the first day of the second cycle.
0: Awesome. I appreciate you giving us that quick rundown, because I know that a lot of us kind of forget that there's this process going on all the time. I should say men. I'm talking from my perspective as somebody that's trained female athletes. And sometimes I would it gets lost. I hate to say it, it got lost in the shuffle. You're developing a macro cycle or a training block, and you're not thinking about all these different things. So having this background in mind, you say that you can use this as an ergogenic aid. Can you explain what that means?
1: Yeah, I'll also let you off the hook because it's not just men who don't have it in like in the forefront of their brain. There are so many women who think that the menstrual cycle is just the bleed phase Mm. and they don't really understand how hormones fluctuate and they might have really bad PMS in the few days before their period starts, but it's a very huge disconnect. So part of it is trying to reconnect everyone to woman's body so we talk about it as your period is an ergogenic aid there's a couple of layers to that when we look and see that a woman actually has a regular cycle and has a regular bleed pattern then we know that she is healthy enough to be able to adapt to training because Mm -hmm. if we don't bring in enough nutrition or we don't have enough recovery time we start to have a depression in our endocrine system so our thyroid goes down our luteinizing hormone starts to drop and then we start to see a menstrual cycle dysfunction. So when we start to see changes in the bleed pattern, or we start to see significant changes in the length of the menstrual cycle, it's an early sign that we're not adapting well, and our body's under too much load, too much stress. And when we talk so about-
0: I think this should be, I just want to pause for just a second. We look at things like heart rate variability. We look at things like resting heart rate upon waking or during sleep periods. This should be something that women should be thinking about, like, hmm, there's a change here. My ability to adapt to training stress may be compromised right now. Exactly. Okay. And
1: a lot of the metrics that you just mentioned change across the menstrual cycle. So oh, we see after ovulation progesterone increases respiratory rate, increases resting heart rate, decreases HRV. So if we're looking at trends and we watch the trends across the month, that's a better indication than day-to-day variability, Mm. especially if we're looking at a lot of the trackers that are out there. So if we're looking at the whoop, the aura almost all the tech out there that's tracking HRV is based on male algorithm where they don't take into account this autonomic nervous system change after ovulation. So this is
0: this out and start looking. Oh, Wow.
1: Yeah. So if we want to really dig in, we can look and say, okay, the high touch is we're looking at the menstrual cycle. And if we want to go a menstrual cycle to menstrual cycle, then you can compare HRV in the low hormone phase of both cycles or all the cycles and HRV to the high hormone phase across all the cycles, and then start to see what kind of trend with regards to, are we getting fitter? Because if we're looking at HRV across the month, they might cancel each other out. So we don't really see if we're getting fitter or adapting or not because of this autonomic so nervous So you want to look at
0: phase to phase.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. And, and would you looking at all phases or would you be, are there, are there specific phases you'd want to be looking at?
1: So it's really just the two biggest chunks of the menstrual cycle. It's the follicular phase Mm -hmm. and then right after ovulation to the next cycle. So the, the full luteal phase, Mm because at, at ovulation, you'll see this shift. You'll see this actual S curve shift we see estrogen come up. Then we see that there is an increase in HRV. And then after that surge and and after ovulation, all of a sudden we see this decrease in HRV. And it's not because that you're not recovering. It's not because you're overstressed. It's because you have this change in your autonomic nervous system, meaning that you have a greater sympathetic drive because progesterone is increasing that sympathetic drive, actually reducing vagal tone.
0: That's, a, that's the proper way to say it there. So which phases would you be saying, okay, now are the phases to push it? Like from maybe a power speed perspective where the, the nervous system is really being called upon versus maybe something that's more aerobic capacity or low intensity, which isn't going to zap you as much as long as the volume isn't crazy.
1: So the follicular phase, and mm-hmm. we look at the follicular phase is you have better nervous system responses. So faster reaction time, we see better recovery, we see better ability to produce power, but also the immune system. So if we're looking at the immune system, you know, after an exercise session, we have an increase in acute inflammation, mm-hmm. but in the follicular phase, the whole immune system is geared to be more innate and more towards capturing pathogens through macrophage. It's not about inflammation. So if you're going to hit it super hard and invoke that post-exercise inflammatory response, your body has a better ability of understanding that as an acute response due to exercise stress and overcoming it. Whereas after ovulation, you have this switch in your immune system to be pro-inflammatory because the body doesn't want its immune system attacking a fertilized egg. So you have more pro-inflammatory responses after ovulation, which can dampen adaptation. So for looking not only in the follicular phase, do we have better immune system responses? We have better central nervous system responses. We have better ability to access carbohydrate for high intensities. We have a lower core temperature. And when we're looking across the board from a psychological standpoint, women have, I guess, more vigor is the best way to put it. They have more aggression and more confidence, especially in and around ovulation. So for looking from a tree training perspective, not a performance perspective, but a training perspective, Mm. we can leverage those times in the menstrual cycle where the body's like, yeah, bring it on. But then after ovulation, this is where we have to look at how do we taper it back a little bit, mm -hmm. but not actually stop it's not like two weeks we don't do anything it's after ovulation we tend to just start dialing it down just a little bit so more aerobic or sweet stop spot training we do less power base and more hypertrophy type work and then the five-ish days before the period starts where we have the greatest inflammation because those hormones are getting ready to drop and we have a, a complete shift for inflammatory to, to slough off the tissue. This is where we look at deloading. We look at technique under the bar. We look at running, economy of movement, pedal stroke. Gosh, I all wish I knew this things.
0: when I was training all of these women. Man, I feel like I did them a disservice. No, I you just,
1: just unaware, right? But now, yeah,
0: did the best yeah. I could. This is yeah. interesting. So uh, let me regurgitate this. I'm soaking this yeah. in. We want to push it during the ovulation and follicular phase. After ovulation, there's going to be more of a pro-inflammatory response. So that's kind of when we want to switch to maybe some aerobic capacity, lower intensity aerobic work, looking more... I mean, if we have to, how long does that phase last? Five days? trying to do this math in my head
1: yeah the most important part about the luteal phase and being acutely mm-hmm. aware of what you should be changing is really leading that last week before yeah. the period starts again this is the, phenomenal the hormones are are actually peaking at their highest point you're having the mm-hmm. biggest changes in things like you have a 12 percent increase in your protein needs because progesterone is catabolic so it's hard to build lane mass we see a decrease in our availability to excess carbohydrate because progesterone is pulling it all into the endometrial lining because you want to have really robust glycogen stores in the endometrial lining. We see an increase in our core temperature because progesterone is thermogenic. So there's a whole bunch of things that are going on underneath as well as the immune system change. Where if we look at that, as well as the lived experience of the menstrual cycle, we can see where we can still push it in the high hormone phase, but definitely where we need to deload and work on technique and that full recovery.
0: This is unbelievable. Now, I have a bigger question for you. I don't know if you would know this, but something that we talk about a lot is building adaptive capacity. The idea that you can manage stress is a fallacy, but what you can do is build a bigger tank, right? If women are constantly undergoing these very stressful internal processes, do you think there's an opportunity for them? I mean, because their bodies are primed for building a human, right? And delivering right. this human into the world. Is their capacity for stress bigger or their potential to build this tank because of this naturally occurring process? Do you do you think? Yeah,
1: absolutely. There's research to show that women are better at handling and managing stress responses than men. Mm-hmm. And that starts in utero. So we see a greater amount of nutritional stress and times of low calorie. And the the female fetus will survive because they have a greater capacity for stressful environments. And then after birth, and we're seeing like through puberty and all the way up through older adults, the capacity to withstand significant stress is greater in women. So from a physicality standpoint, for looking even at fueling mechanisms, for women. Women are more endurant, not only by the nature of the muscle fiber types that they have, but also Mm -hmm. the fueling mechanism because we have more of the proteins in that mitochondria for using free fatty acids and sparing carbohydrate. So all across the board, the capacity for women is, I believe, much larger than what we give credit for. And because we haven't actually tapped into how to train women appropriately, we don't actually know what that potential is because we haven't done it.
0: First of all, it seems to me as if women have greater work capacity, just general capability, right? So for, let's say, a power speed field athlete or a sport like soccer, where you're going to see more like myoglobin concentration because those fast switch fibers are be more fatigue resistant. Would you want to be leaning into that more? Or would you want even more polarization to try to improve power speed output? You see what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. do you want to just lean into the strength? Or do you want to try to bring up that Because you said there's fiber type differences. I'm just curious.
1: Yeah. Well, when we look across specifically power-based training, Mm -hmm. women actually do a lot better with power-based training and shorter recovery within the power-based sets. So when we tend to to think about women having to do moderate intensity sprints or we're looking at stuff in the gym where, oh, we're going to do the 8 to 15 reps None of that is a really good service for women. Just from the nature of central nervous system, it doesn't take as long to recover. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the fueling mechanisms are different between men and women. So Mm -hmm. women will go through blood sugar and then they'll tap into free fatty acids where men are less glycogen, glycogen, glycogen. So if we're looking at the power-based stuff, and it's that fast anaerobic, women have a greater capacity of doing the power, having shorter recover, and really getting into it to get that adaptive strength. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that happening really, especially when we're looking at NCAA athletes or the top end athletes or group training. We just see these general protocols that have always been applied from a male data set and Brad Schoenfeld has been bringing out some really interesting meta-analyses, like looking at hypertrophy and power and he's now starting to put in sex differences. Mm -hmm. And there is some really good early research that's been continuing through that always shows that women, not only are they more endurance, but they do better with that lower end power-based training because they have that undercurrent of endurance.
0: Okay. So what about a recreational trained athlete? Like, let's just say, my wife, former amazing softball player, got three kids. It's not about that anymore, right? It's more mm-hmm. about longevity, feeling good, health span, lifespan. What are things that we should think about in relationship to the menstrual cycle like for her, for my wife? Like what should she be leaning yeah. into?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, every woman should track their cycle okay. so they know what the bleed pattern is, how long the cycle is. Mm -hmm. As well as how they feel across different days, if you're Mm -hmm. tracking intently for about three cycles, you'll start to see your own unique patterning. Some women feel awful the first couple of days of their menstrual cycle, the first few days of the bleed phase, and they're like, I can't do anything, what do you want me to do high intensity on they? there's no way. But we know that if you do just a couple of 20-second surges, maybe even four or five of them run up the stairs. It doesn't have to be a big session, but you get a subsequent anti-inflammatory and growth hormone response from that, which then feeds forward to future cycles to help downgrade that inflammatory and cramping that a lot of women have. Mm. And we also know that some women are unfazed by their menstrual cycle. So there's never really a bad day. It's just the metrics make them look not quite so recovered. But they can really start to pay attention to how they feel. And if there are days where they feel flat and it's a reoccurring pattern, then we know it's physiological. It's not because they are too stressed at work or with kids or didn't eat well enough. They didn't sleep well enough. Of course, those are important. But for the most part, when you start seeing this unique patterning, that's when you can dial in your own training. So if we're looking at a recreational athlete who might be able to train three or four days a week, what's the precedence? We want strength and high intensity work. Mm. Those are the things that we want. And you can really moderate the type of strength that you're doing and then at the end of a like a power based session, you can finish it off with sets of box jumps or some other kind of plyo work for that high intensity, mm-hmm. because the combination of those two is going to lead you into greater health outcomes and longevity instead of the long slog of modern intensity work, which really ends up being too hard to be easy and too easy to be hard, Draw, uh, drives cortisol up. It's a big time suck for so many people, right? And it doesn't actually get into body composition. Change, metabolic efficiency, any of that stuff. And we know that strength training is so super important, especially as women start to get into the perimenopausal years. Because when estrogen drops, then we lose a lot of the benefit of what estrogen does with regards to stimulating muscle protein synthesis, with regards to having a very strong myosin bond, and the amount of acetylcholine that is in the gap junction for that uh, that depolarization and. And that central nervous system firing into a muscle contraction. So if we're doing strength all the way through, then we're benefiting the body as we're aging.
0: This is phenomenal. I'm going to have to go back and take some notes. And for those folks that are listening, they're like, wow, I want more of this. I believe that you said that you're going to be doing a discount. You have these amazing courses, by the way, you should go check out her website. It's phenomenal. There's some Thanks. really good blogs on there. But you have some great courses and you said you guys are doing a sale for like the next four to six weeks. Yeah. yeah you have one are. on this particular yes. subject. Yes, okay. we do.
1: We have one specifically on menstrual cycle tracking and training.
0: Right. And you have a book that just came out on this, correct? Or recently.
1: The one that just came out is on peri and postmenopause, So that's called yes. Next Level. Yeah. And then Roar that came out in 2016. The second edition will be out early first quarter next year.
0: Wow. And I know you sold 800,000 copies or something crazy.
1: I haven't looked recently, but yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank Thank you you so much for talking about this. I'm excited to get to the next one. Thanks again for listening to the blueprint podcast. And if you love the show and you've been listening for a while, please stop. Leave us a comment and review in the Apple podcast app, as this is one of the best ways that you can help us reach more people with the message of the blueprint. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.